Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. had an awesome, awesome time. Uh, we gathered some of our of our leaders and, you know, we like to, uh, once a quarter, we like to do these leadership seminars just to kind of pour into our leadership who serves uh, diligently and, and uh, hard. They work, they work a lot. Amen. They, they serve in this church. And, and so we want to, we want to pour back into them. Yesterday, uh, we had such an awesome, awesome time. Uh, Brother Mike Rosas, who's going to be speaking here this morning, he, he gave us some awesome, awesome insight. Amen. And uh, so we're, we're excited. I love, I love this man's heart. I love, uh, I love what God is doing through him um, and, and in the kingdom of God. And I just want to ask this morning that you open up your hearts, you open up your minds, and, and you be ready to receive what it is that God has, because this is God speaking this morning. Amen. Amen. You know, when you come to church, God, God abides here. God abides in the praises of his people. Right. And so uh, when, when, when we're here, we are we become expectant that God is going to speak. And somebody somebody needs a word of God this morning. Amen. Amen. Y'all hot. <laughs> There's a Pentecostal fire over here on this side. I feel it. <laughs> Let, let's, let's, bring those, let's bring those suckers down if we can a little bit. Amen. Uh, but, but I won't get uh, too much into it. Uh, we'll have a couple announcements. I'm going to save them for the end. I want, I want us to give this time uh, to Brother Mike. He's, a, he, he's a, a former pastor, evangelist, an author. Uh, he's a chaplain for the Houston Rockets. And, and he's got some awesome, awesome stories. And God is just doing awesome things through him. So... Brother Mike, come on up, man. And... Thank you so much, Pastor John, Pastor Melissa. It's a huge honor to be with y'all. Um, you know what? Let's just jump right into it. If you don't mind closing your eyes, I want to go into a time before the Father. Father God, we thank you because you are good and your mercy endures forever. God, we thank you for your great love. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just pour out your presence on us this morning. God, like true love's first kiss, let us wake up again to your context, to your paradigm, to understand, Father, that heaven you have brought here on earth in your presence. And I pray, Father, that we would be more sensitive to the reality of heaven than we are of earth. I pray the reality of your love would wash away all shame. I pray the glory of your presence would so overwhelm us, Lord God, that the, the, the meaningless things of this world wouldn't affect us the same way it used to. I pray, Father, for your glory. God, we are a people of your presence. We're here for you. We're here because there's nothing the world can do that compares with the reality of your great love. So I pray this morning that we would be like the, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus with Jesus, that as we see Jesus unveiled, our hearts would burn within us. I pray, Father, that words and phrases that I use, that you would use to speak directly to individuals to let them know that your eye is on them. God, I pray that the, eye, the fire that we see in Jesus' eyes in the book of Revelation would burn in our hearts God, that we would be a fiery people, not people just going through the same old, same old or going through the motions, but a people that are passionate about their God, a people that have the fire of God burning in their bellies. 
Father, a people of God that are unrealistic with the world that we see before us. God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, you would prepare our spirits to receive this word that you have for us this morning. I pray, oh God, that we would so be inspired by the reality of your truth that the lies of the world would no longer be able to hold on to us or even gravitate towards us. God, right now we cast down every vain imagination. God, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God but isn't the knowledge of God, we cast it down. We pray, Father, that we would understand that we are seated instantly in heavenly places with Christ Jesus and your thoughts that are higher and your ways that are higher are an invitation for us to go higher. I pray, God, that you would just pour out, pour out more of your glory, God. We need your glory. Father, we don't need another word from man. We need an experience with God. God, like Pastor Melissa said, Father, we need that revelation of the fresh blood of Jesus, of the fresh invitation to come into the throne room of grace to receive mercy and grace in this time of need. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. Nothing else will satisfy. It's you that we're going after. It's you that our heart is yearning for. We need you. So I ask you to just, I ask you to double your presence. I just increase, an increase of your presence. We would feel the beauty of your love. The fairest of 10,000, the lily of the valley. Father, we would be caught up in your love. And we'd be reminded how great thou art. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, we, we are in a very crucial place of the world as we know it. Um, the things we are seeing, the things we are experiencing, the things we're about to experience, mark my words, will go in the canons of human history. What you're seeing in 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025, there is a movement of the kingdom of God that is moving forward despite the uh, news, despite the circumstances, despite the things we see in social media. There's a, a movement the kingdom of God is doing, and it's gaining momentum. And if, and if your main source of information is the world, you're not going to see it. And so what's happened is a lot of us as believers, we, we visit church, but then we leave church not understanding that we are the church. And so what God is doing is he's bringing us to this place. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is from Leonard Ravenhill. And he says, God did not come to make bad men good, but to make dead men live. And so you have to understand we're a supernatural people. Christianity is not another psychology. Christianity is not, um, it, it's not another form of stoicism. It's not another way to think. Christianity is true life. That's why Jesus, inside of one of the most um, formative times in the history of the world, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And why is that so important? Because there's so many people that are lost that have no idea there is even a way. There's so many people that have been lied to that they don't understand that there is an absolute truth. And there's so many people that are dead that they don't even know what the experience of life actually is. And so what happens is, is we're here, the living amongst the dead, and if we, if we are okay with a lower understanding of life, then those that are dead will see themselves in us, and they'll never ascend to what 
could be. And so God calls us as a, as a supernatural people. And so in the church, if you, if you follow the Lord for any amount of time, there was a movement in the 80s and 90s called the Word of Faith. And this Word of Faith movement, they would take scriptures and they would declare it over themselves. And then slowly it began to get perverted where they began to talk about uh, declaring things rather than promises. And so it began to veer off course. And so what happened was the, the church, we ended up throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And as we threw out the Word of Faith, we also threw out faith in the Word. And so what happened is that Christianity became this psychology of coming to terms with what happens to us almost in an evolutionary manner rather than living in divine design. But God is raising up a remnant. He's raising up a people that aren't going to take the things that they see in front of them as status quo. I heard this quote that I love. I, it was anonymous, but it said, we must change with the times unless we're big enough to change the times. How many of you want to be big enough to change the times? With human culture coming full speed, then we find ourselves in this place that as a Christian, I have no right to live outside of faith. And a lot of us, we don't use faith, if I can, if I can tell you as a brother and bring truth and love. We come to church, we said the sinner's prayer, we're like, okay, well, whenever I die, I'm going to heaven, and then Monday through Saturday, we live our normal life. How I many y'all understand we were created to be like those in the, in the hall of faith that took over nations, that, that, that took over enemy forces, that did great things. And you look at, you look at, you look at who is in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, and they made so many mistakes, had so many failures, had so many weaknesses. And we begin to understand the theme of the scriptures is not the individuals, but it's their God. And so there's a God that Isaiah talks about that those who believe in him will do great exploits. Those who know him, who have an experiential understanding of who he is. It's not enough to read the word. You got to read the word. You got to know him. Why? Because Jesus said, my father is always working. And the father who is outside of time works inside of time and who takes things that can't be seen and makes them seen, all he knows is the supernatural. All he knows is making impossible possible. That, that, that's his normal day to day. So if all we're experiencing is normalcy, can somebody say something's wrong? When there's such little difference inside the church as it is outside the church, that the people outside the church see no value inside the church, can you say something's wrong? But God in his graciousness, he waits patiently. He invites us back into his story because he wants to change some things. How many want to see something change in your day and age? The news has become this storytelling that it's almost this um, unstoppable, immovable force that's coming, and all we can do is just hunker down and hold the fort. And as I've read these 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 30,102 verses, I don't see that. So I choose to doubt the world, and I choose to have faith in God. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is God and that he's a diligent rewarder of those who seek him. Right? So that's one aspect. The other aspect is Romans 14, 23, that says anything not done in faith is a sin. 
So if the only way I can please him is in faith, and if I don't do things in faith, then it's a sin, then it would make me think that we should be masters in faith. Does that make sense? And I think sometimes we forget the principles in Proverbs, the first few chapters, it talks about how we should pursue wisdom more than we pursue silver and gold. And wisdom, as you study the book of Proverbs, knowledge you can acquire, understanding you can acquire, wisdom can only be received in his presence. There's no other way to access wisdom but from God. So we work 40 hours a week. If we're going for silver and gold for 40 hours a week, how much of our week should be consumed with knowing him? Paul said to pray without ceasing. So we begin to understand it's a supernatural aspect God invites us in. And if we don't have his supernatural perspective, we're still going to go to heaven, but we're going to miss out on the heaven he wants to bring to earth. And so God calls us as sons and daughters. Psalms 82 says that God stands in the midst of the congregation of gods, of Elohims. And there's been all this uh, talk about what he's talking about and what he's not talking about. Well, let me tell you what he's talking about. John 10, Jesus being questioned by the Pharisees says, did not the psalmist call you gods? I'm a, I'm Colum- I'm a Colombian descent, Bogota, and uh, my wife is from Monterrey. And as hard as we tried, I, I, I mean, I, I love the Italian lifestyle. I think Italians are so smooth. And so I tried to have Italian babies, and it just didn't work. Like... <laughs> all came out Colombian and Mexican. Like that's, that's all we could produce. So when God created you as sons and daughters, he could create nothing else but himself. And so what happens is we struggle at life because we're living it the way we're not supposed to be living it. We're supposed to be living a life of faith, and so we try to live normal. If you are extraordinary, you are no good at normal. Things don't work out. Things don't make sense. And it's not until we go and we're seated in heavenly places with Christ, we begin to see what he sees and reproduce what he reproduces. And so God brings us to this place. But what's happened, it's not that we don't believe that God isn't the CEO of the miracle-making business. It says somewhere along the line, something we believe for didn't happen. And we know him too much to say that he's not God. But we found that it hurts less if we just don't believe for anything out of the ordinary. And so we still believe in him and we still go to church and we still clap when the right song comes on and we still worship when the right mood comes in and we still say amen at the right point of the pastor's message, but there's something inside of us that is barely breathing. And so what's happened is that we have justified our inability to access what God has given us as birthright rather than pushing through and understanding there's always a rhyme to his reason. And so God is calling back a church to him. He's calling back his sons and daughters because he's positioned us in this place and he's saying, this is not okay. This is not normal. I know you're hurt and I want to heal you. I know you believed and it didn't happen, but you, you have to understand sometimes what happens when you're believing and it doesn't happen is greater than the thing you were believing for. 
Some of the greatest answers to prayer in my life were the things I wanted and didn't, got, didn't get. And so we have to submit to who he is without losing grip of what he promises. And so what I want to do, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 1 Samuel 1. I'm going to read you an extended, an extended uh, it's about uh, 15 verses. And I want you to pay close attention. Because I believe God wants to open up some truth and some revelation, maybe in things we didn't understand. He wants to reveal. He wants to renew. Why? Because he's calling us to believe for those crazy things. He's calling us to come in a, in a season where no government stewarded COVID well. He's looking for the church to come and to be the direction that the world is looking for. So 1 Samuel, we're going to read chapter 1, verses 3 through 18. And it said, This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. I want to stop there for a second. I've heard this conversation. I've even seen it online. Um, God at no point okayed multiple, multiple wives. He never okayed it. There's no biblical reference for that. Okay. So they, I know there's some men that have been asking about that on social media and Trust me, it ain't it. That, that ain't it. God never okayed it. He used people despite that, but he never okayed it. Plus, you know the biblical consequence for multiple wives, multiple mother-in-laws. Uh, verse 6. <laughs> verse 6. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? So Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservants and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Mario Murillo, the great man of God, said, when Hannah's cry for a child matched God's cry for a prophet, Samuel was born. 
You have to understand God is not contrary to those things you are believing for. But what he is, is he positions you because he cares more about your Christ-likeness than he does about your comfort. So he'll, he'll, allow your, he'll allow your mind to be offended for your heart to be revealed, as Leonard Ravenhill says it. So I, I want you to capture something, because one of the most contentious parts of this verse is verse 6. I'm sorry, verse 5. And it says, but to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And so I've I, I read that story countless times. As I meditated on it, my spirit... It just, it just didn't sit right. And you have to understand, whenever you have a question about the Bible and something doesn't feel right, it's because Holy Spirit is inviting you to sit at the feet of the Master and let him teach you. Don't just leave with a frustration because the Bible, the, the Bible is perfect contextually. There's nothing that, that's contrary to who he is. You may not understand it, and it will give you a greater understanding of who he is, but let me tell you, God is good. And so in verse 5, it says the Lord had closed her womb. And, and the, the word that's used there in the Hebrew is segar. Segar. And there's two definitions for that word. The first one is shut up. The second one is surrendered. So what if God didn't shut up her womb, but what if God surrendered her womb to her faith? What if? Because as we see, God allows things in our lives, and he says, as Jesus said many times, be it according to your faith. Be it according to your faith. And so God is bringing us to this place of do we really know him? Why? Because when we really know him, we have to find a promise and hang on to it. And all of hell try to get you to move from that verse. And so God brings us to this place of understanding who he is in the hopes that we will act like him. So he surrenders opportunities that we might win, we might lose, in the hopes that we will always learn. I want you to go in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, it's a very beloved portion of scripture and it reads like this it's the beginning it's the entrance into the hall of faith it says now faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by it the elders obtained a good testimony by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god so the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible the first part allows us to understand that sometimes you have to close your eyes to see clearly. Sometimes we have to remove ourselves from this natural perspective so we can get heaven's perspective and fulfill Jesus' prayer that he taught to the disciples of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has a will that he has... He's given us free will. He has this will that regardless of your free will is going to happen, right? But then he leaves some things in this place called our free will where we have choice. And he gives us opportunities and he surrenders them to us to train us to reign in Christ Jesus. And so what happens is that he tells us, he says, faith is a substance of things hoped for. In a God you can't touch, taste, hear, see, or smell, he has to give you some reality to cling to. And that is our faith in his promises, bringing things that aren't seen and making them seen. 
See, and then he brings us to verse two and verse two could look like a filler verse, but it's very powerful. And it says, and by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. One of the definitions of testimony is God do it again. So if I can, if I can see something he did for something else, understand he's not a respecter of persons, then I have inheritance in his fulfillment to that promise. If he did it for them, he will do it for me. In verse 3, it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. I don't care what world, it was framed by his word. And our ability to believe that word and that promise gives us access to it becoming visible. So we frame our worlds with his words. But what happens when we don't frame our worlds with his words then we go to our lowest level. And so we have a lot of Christians that are living lives outside of his word, and we're questioning where, he's, where he is. You have to understand, God holds himself to his word, not my word. He responds when I use his word, he responds. Because he doesn't owe me anything, I owe him everything. And so he invites us in this place and he's saying, I, I want my sons and daughters. Why? Because it, it's important that we reproduce the God-like faith because the world has nothing to match it. All the special effects and everything else we know is just a light and smoke show. But when God comes, he comes in power. But he limits himself to partnership with his sons and daughters. So there's an aspect we play in this. But he brings, and he, you have to understand, you were created for greatness. And I don't mean this like, hey, a motivational speaking type. No, what I mean is you were created, he's great, he created you. So your natural byproduct is greatness. And so even in the way Psalms 139 talks about, he knit us together in our mother's womb. We were created to move in faith. And I want to prove it to you. I want you to go to Psalms 34 verse 8. Psalms 34 verse 8 is, again, another well-known scripture. Um, but I, I want to give you the anatomical perspective of this. Psalms 34 verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. How many of you have heard of that verse before? But I have a question for you. How do you taste before you see? So what happens is that God invites us to this place of faith, and everything we do is by faith. Uh, I want to talk to the husbands in the room for, for a, a minute. How many of you have been in this scenario? My wife, Lydia, couldn't be here with me this morning, but she says, uh, hey, honey, whatever you want to get for dinner, just get it, and I'll be okay with it. All right, baby, what do you feel? Uh, turkey burgers, right? Let's go healthy. No, we, we had that last week. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, fish, right? You like fish. No, we had that six months ago. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And just nothing, right? Just nothing. But when my wife has a craving, hell and high water can't stop her. We're doing whatever it takes to get to that craving, Right? So what happens is I may or may not follow a few donut pages on Instagram. And when I see those donuts, what happens? 
I begin to salivate. And, and this is actually scientific. So there's a part in your brain in the hypothalamus that has memory. And when your brain sees something, it causes your tongue, causes your, your taste buds to salivate. And this is important because a lot of us deal with stress because we eat really fast and we don't pay attention to what we eat. So our, our, our stomach isn't able to digest. And so what happens is that when you look at something, it causes your, your tongue to salivate and it prepares your internal system to digest the food it's about to get. So what happens is God gives us a promise to look at so that we'll salivate. And so that our spirit will become not okay with anything but that thing we're believing for. And so God is trying to get us some promises to prepare our spirit for what we were created for. That's why we got to stop being okay with just spiritual fast food. Because he's trying to take us to a place like Abraham that we haven't seen before. But he wants to show it to us so he can taste it. So then we will see it. And so he brings us to this place and he's saying, come on, I, I've got more for you. But you got to come and sit a while. The day of, of five minute devotionals is no longer. There's a price to pay to reproduce what God wants to reproduce. One of the most dangerous things we've done in the church is we've, we, we've simulated the, the corporate world where we allow interns. And interns will stay with you for a few months and they, they, they become more dangerous than disciple. They know enough to, to kind of do it, but not really. Back in the day, they used to have a thing called apprenticeship. And in an apprenticeship, you stayed with me until you did it as good as I did or better. And I think, I, I think the, the fathers and the mothers in the faith, it's time for you to look at the next generation and pull them to your side and begin to raise up some apprentices. Because the church has to go farther in the next generation. I'm tired of the church retreating. And so what happened is that it's come out of this place. Here, let's go back to 1 Samuel 1. 1 Samuel 1. Um, I, I, I need you to understand how God works 1 Samuel 1, when, when Hannah begins to pray in verse 11, then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me. The majority of Christians, when they're believing something for a long period of time, you know how their prayer starts? God, if you really loved me. If you really loved me, I wouldn't be in this space. And so what happens is when we say that prayer, we project an unhappiness and unthankfulness with him. Well, if you really love me, he would have done it by now. But I want you to pay attention to Hannah's prayer. What does Hannah pray? Hannah says, oh, Lord of hosts. Hannah's saying, God of war, I know you love me. But there is an evil that's against me producing what you've called me to produce. Too many of us... Hear my heart. Too, too many of us, we, we cry and we take our ball and go home when, we have to, when we're called to fight. God, God is trying to raise up warriors, soldiers. Uh, go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. You, ha you have to understand, if you have any question, if God loves you, I, I want you to think about that guy that was on the cross. 39 stripes on his back. I want you to think about the price he paid. Never, never have I questioned, does God love me? Have I questioned if he's present? Have I questioned if he's hearing? Have I questioned what is he doing? Yes. 
But anytime the devil tries to bring this alive, if he loves me, I just think about Jesus and that answers as off. And so why is that so important? Because many of us are struggling at first base when God's trying to bring us to score. Ephesians 3, everybody knows Ephesians 3.20, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But I want you to go back to verse 19. Verse 19 says, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I, I think very regularly, if not daily, you should meditate on the love of God for you. Galatians 5.6 says, faith works by love. And many of us are questioning, does God even love me? So we're not able to, to move into that faith space because we don't even know if he's for us. And so for us to move into that place of now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, I first have to have the question answered, yes, he loves me. But then he wants to take us even deeper to that because it says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. How do you know something that you can't know? It's supernatural. And there's an impartation in his presence when you're sitting at his feet that you receive something that you might not even be able to explain. And that's his love. And when I understand the great love that he has, then I have the fullness of God filled into me. That's why in John 15, 7, Jesus says, if my word abides in you and you abide in my word, I'll give you whatever you ask because you will know the love that I have for you and the fullness of God will be in you. And so God's trying to bring us to this place, but we, we have to, we, we, we ha- it, it takes time. It takes time. And we want to just like, we want God in 60 minutes. That's why I love Numa. It, it, it just, we're just here in his presence. What does he want to do? What does he want to do? I was, a, I was a youth pastor for a couple of years, and you would have parents complain about youth that went astray. And, and I heard somebody say this, and I thought it was brilliant, and it was, they're with me two hours, they're with you 166. Right? And, and so we have to create places of presence. Because there are some questions my children will never ask me, but I need them to hear his voice. And so we walked them into this place of knowing them. Why? Because I don't need my kids, Ali, Camila, and Kairos. I don't need them to know daddy's God. I need them to know their God. And so it says, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or even think. Now he's going above your faith. According to the power that works within us. I believe, I believe this so strongly, I would bet every dollar I have, if somebody would take the bet. When time is gone and we enter into the gates of heaven and we look Jesus in the eyes, one of the first things that will come to our mind is, why did I ever doubt you? I believe we'll see the fire in his eyes And we'll feel the passion from his heart. And we'll say, why did I ever doubt you? That's why God is calling us back to his heart. He's calling us back to him. Why? Because these things, it's it's not a book that you read. It's a person that you know. 
Even when studying the scriptures, I, I read the scriptures so I can see him more clearly. Why? Because whatever I'm believing for, he's already there and he's just inviting me to meet him there. But if I don't know his voice, if my ears are circumcised to hear his voice, I don't know the way. And then I fall for the lie and I end up living a death that I was never called to live. And so God invites us to this place, but, but we have to know him. We have to know him. And that's why Pastor John, Pastor Melissa, and the team, that's why they teach you the word week after week after week after week. And that's why Pastor John goes into the explanation of truth, and he teaches you how to read context, and he teaches you how to understand the scriptures. Why? Because the world is tough, and it's dark. And if we don't know him, we can live for him but miss him. And so God is inviting us, and he's saying, I want to do these exceedings. Like, you have no idea. Papa Seymour in uh, 1914 said, a little bit over 100 years from now, in the Azusa Street Revival, he said, a little bit over 100 years from now, you're going to see the greatest revival that has ever been seen in America, and it's going to put Azusa to shame. That's the birthright that we're walking in right now. And that 100 plus years, that's dependent upon us, not upon him. When we'll step into this place of maturity, of knowing his word, rightly being able to divide truth, understanding his voice, and taking, taking the step. And I'll finish with this. We know the, the story of Moses. He, he goes and he splits the sea. And I heard this rabbi, um, I heard this rabbi speaking. And he said, we, we see in, in these you know, cartoon movies, he's at the edge and like the Red Sea. And he's like, you know, split type thing. He said, well, in Jewish understanding, what they have is that he went into the Red Sea and he went as far as he could go until the water was up to his neck. Then he lifted his staff and said, God split it. Some of us are too safe to use our faith. And God is calling us to those places where not only can only he respond, but he has to respond or I'm going to fall on my face. And, and, and that's not a word for the pastors. That's a word for the believers, for the disciples. And so the question is, as for you and your house, what is God going to do there? Bow your heads. I want you, if we can just hang off on the, on the music just for a second. I want silence. I want you to close your eyes. <clears throat> Too often, <clears throat> when God does something, we, we play it off in our minds saying that was the worship song. That was the pastor who laid hands on me. That was fill in the blank. And we explain away a miracle. And so what the Holy Spirit has inspired me to do is have a moment of complete silence. So when you hear his voice and when you feel his touch, you can blame it on nobody else but him. Satan can't come later and steal it from you because it was only him. So I want us to close our eyes, no music playing, no nothing, just Jesus. God, I've done what you've told me to do. Now I ask you to come. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at MyNumaChurch. Thanks again and God bless.